0: Welcome to the Northwood Baptist Church Podcast. I'm Tommy Metter, lead pastor of Northwood Baptist Church in North Charleston, South Carolina. Hey, if you're listening today, I know exactly what you need. You need hope and encouragement. And my prayer is that the message you are about to hear will help you find hope and encouragement in a relationship with Jesus Christ. If you'd like to learn more about our church, visit our website, northwoodbaptist.com, or follow us on Facebook now. Get ready for a message that will help you connect faith to life. Open your Bibles to Genesis chapter 9 this morning. Genesis chapter 9, verses 18 through 29 Uh, this morning. Genesis chapter 9, first book in the Bible. If you're new to the Bible, uh, good news. Just open it up and you'll find yourself right in the book of Genesis. If you don't own a Bible, that's okay. You should find a Bible in the seat rack or the... What's that thing called? I say it every Sunday. The book rack right in front of you in the seat before you. You should find a copy of the Bible there. If uh, you don't own a Bible, take that Bible home with you. Read it and learn about the God who loves you and desires a relationship with you. Genesis chapter 9 verses 18 through 29. We'll read that to you in just a moment. If you're new to Northwood, what we like to do is we like to take books of the Bible and we just like to walk through them and and study these books and see what God's saying to us. I think we think it's just very important that we understand how God is speaking to us through his word. And so when we walk through books of the Bible, especially Old Testament books, we come to some passages that are downright strange. And guess what? We're at one this morning. So Happy Mother's Day It's going to be really wild. And so uh, you'll see why in just a moment. This is a crazy story, but I think it's going to be really, really helpful for us. So Genesis chapter 9, verses 18 through 29, we'll read that together in just a moment. So, um, we moved to our house in uh, Somerville about a year, right when COVID was starting. We, we moved from one location to the other. And, and one of the reasons why we were so attracted to this house we bought was because right behind us are protected wetlands. And so no one can build behind us forever. They'll have to protect those things. And, and so we get up every morning and look out in the backyard and we can see trees and, and not see, you know, 5,000 neighbors, which is really nice. That's what we wanted, right? And so, so, so. It's really cool. Uh, the, the problem with living uh, right there by the protected wetlands are what comes out of the wetlands. And so so um, there's lots of snakes, and I didn't realize there were going to be so many snakes. And so over the last year, we've seen several snakes in our yard, and a lot of them are just the black snakes. But we have seen uh, several copperheads, which that's a lot of fun. And so, so you know... It's, we try to keep the grass cut real low, and you know, so we can see them in the grass. All those kind of things. So, so last week, um, my oldest son Luke, he started cutting the grass. Which I'm, I mean, that's a good day. When you get to the day that your son is cutting the grass, that's a huge parenting victory. Just let me tell you. I mean, it just it's changed my life. And so, so he was out cutting the backyard, and he kept me, Dad, Dad, I found a snake. And so, uh, so we went looking for the snake, and apparently it had slithered off and done its snake thing. We couldn't find it. But, but again, that's pretty common. We've we've found several snakes in the yard over the past year. And so, so he went around and he finished cutting the grass. And, and that evening, Stacy was out in the yard with, with a neighbor and she was out in the backyard. And we just planted a garden a few weeks ago uh, because I, I don't know why we did it. But we planted a garden. And, and, and so, so I don't know if you know this or not, but when you plant a garden, what you do is you just go outside and stare at it. I mean, that's just what you do. You get up, you water it, and you stare at it, and, and you go out and check on it every day four or five times. I, don't ask me why, but that's just what you do. And so they were back there staring at the garden, and I was, I was uh, inside studying. I think it was a Saturday night, and the boys were watching the movie, and, and, and Stacy came upstairs, and she said, Tommy, come downstairs, but be quiet. We caught the snake. We caught the snake. Now, I don't know how many of you have ever caught a snake before, uh, it's not something I recommend, uh, and so, I mean, I'm trying to figure out how my wife and our neighbor, our neighbor, many of you know her, Jennifer Gettings, uh, who comes to our church, uh, how they caught a snake. I mean, I'm having all these images in my mind of, like, you remember Crocodile Hunter, uh, Steve Irwin going out and just kind of catching a snake by the tail, and I'm like, I know my wife ain't catching no snake by a tail, and, and 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 Jennifer, she she's a she's a pretty manly woman, so maybe she caught by a tail. I have, and I mean that in the best way. I mean I really do. And so I, I, I'm just kind of curious about how they caught this snake, you know? Because I mean catching snakes isn't what we do. What we do is we scream and run from snakes. We don't catch snakes. And so so I'm wondering about the snake that 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 Jennifer's caught in the backyard. So I go downstairs and go outside to see this snake that they've caught and try to think. Okay, now that we Caught a snake, you know. What, what do you do with it? And so, so, I, and they did. They caught a snake, and I brought a picture of it just to show you. <laughs> right? I told you, Miss Jennifer. She's a, a pretty manly woman, and she she. Uh, <laughs> She risked her life uh, to catch the snake. And so um, I took it and I put it out in the the, the wetlands back behind the house so that in a year it can come back and visit us again and be a a little bit bigger. So i tell you that story because, you know, in our neighborhood, seriously, in our house, uh, we we kind of are always just kind of on the lookout because we have seen some in our our yard. And maybe that's where you live. It's the same way you've got snakes crawling around. I have no idea. Um, But i tell you that story to tell you here we are in Genesis chapter 9. And in Genesis chapter 9, we are post-flood. We've looked at the flood now for the last couple weeks, and here we are post-flood. It's a new beginning, a fresh start. And if you think about it, Genesis chapter 9, I mean, it should be a pretty hopeful story. But what we find out is that the snake that we were introduced to back in Genesis chapter 3 is still present. The snake's not gone. When when Noah and his family got off the boat, the enemy was still active, deceiving, and tempting. And what we see at the end of Noah's story is how Noah and one of his sons fell and were influenced once again by the snake. It's an interesting story. And, and to be honest with you, what would have been really good, what would have been really good is if Noah's story ended last week. You remember last week, he gets off the boat, he makes a sacrifice to God, he worships, there's a rainbow in the sky, and, and God makes this promise to Noah that he'd never uh, destroy the earth with a flood again. It would have been great if the story would have ended there, because if the story would have ended there, we would say what? Man, look at Noah. What a, what a great man. I mean, after all, the Bible said that he was blameless. That he walked with God, much like Enoch walked with God before him, and Adam and Eve, before they fell in the garden, Noah walked with God, and, and, and he was righteous, such a man of faith. It would have been wonderful if the story would have ended right there, because we would all say, Noah, what a hero. But what we're going to find out in the story is that Noah's not the hero we think he is. He's a lot like us very easily influenced by the enemy, by the snake, and very easily, like us, giving in to temptation and sinning against God. This is a crazy story. And what I want to show you this morning, and, and, and I really, really there, there's probably lots of things we can talk about as we look at this story, but I think this story for us is a reminder that no matter how long you have walked with the Lord, listen, listen, and some of you, you, you might not believe this, but it's true. No matter how long you've walked with the Lord, you're only really a couple of bad decisions away from blowing it up. You know what I'm saying? You're a couple of bad decisions away from a disaster in your life. And we see that in Noah's life. And so, what I want to show you this morning, as we look at this story and try to make some application from it, I want to show you three ways that you and I can stay alert as the enemy continues to try to deceive us, even as followers of Jesus, how we can stay alert and live faithfully to God through the entirety of our lives. So take your Bibles, look at Genesis chapter 9, verses 18 through 29. Go ahead and rise to your feet as we honor the reign of God's word together. Beginning in verse 18, this is what the Bible says. Noah's sons who came out of the ark were Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Ham was the father of Canaan, These three were Noah's sons, and from them the whole earth was populated. Noah, as a man of the soil, began by planting a vineyard. He drank some of the wine, became drunk, and uncovered himself inside his tent. Ham, the father of Canaan, saw his father naked and told his two brothers outside. Told you it was a great Mother's Day story, right? Then Shem and Japheth took a a cloak and placed it on. Over both their shoulders, and walking backward, they covered their father's nakedness. Their faces were turned away, and they did not see their father naked. When Noah awoke from his drinking and learned what his youngest son had done to him, he said, Canaan is cursed. He will be the lowest of slaves to his brothers. He also said, blessed be the Lord, the God of Shem. Let Canaan be Shem's slave. Let God extend Japheth to uh, Japheth. Let Japheth dwell in the tents of Shem. Let Canaan be Shem's slave. Now Noah lived 350 years after the flood, so Noah's life lasted 950 years, then he died. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for this morning and, and for time uh, to be together in, in your word, to study together. And, Father, we know we're looking at a, just a, really an odd s- story this morning. But, Father, we believe that every page of your word is inspired by you and is edifying for us. And ultimately, every page of your word points us to the hope we can have in Jesus. And so, Father, we're trusting that you're going to speak to other, us this morning, that you're going to teach us how to stay alert and be on guard against the attacks of the enemy. And, and Father, we're trusting that as your Spirit speaks you're gonna do a work of transformation in our lives. So help us to listen carefully with hearts that are ready to obey you and ready to walk by faith. And I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. You can have a seat. So here we are. Again, we're at the end of Noah's story. And like I said, it, it'd have been nice if the story ended with Noah getting off the boat and seeing the, the rainbow and, and and living happily ever after. But 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 that's not the story. And, and Moses, the author of the book of Genesis, he doesn't give us all the details that we might want, but you can imagine what it must have been like those days after the flood. It's a new beginning. There's so much hope. As, as Noah and his sons begin again on this earth and, and now the opportunity to repopulate the earth and, and to try it again, I mean, humanity had messed up the first time pretty bad, but now it's a new start. And if you think about it, Noah, after he gets off the boat and makes that sacrifice and hears from God, let just imagine, he's probably tired of animals, right? A year on a boat, floating around wherever they floated to, and having to care for those animals day in and day out. And so now when Noah gets off the boat, he takes up a different occupation, farming, right? No animals for a while. And, and so, so there he is, and, and the Bible says that, that he plants a vineyard. And I can imagine that he was much like me and, and Stacy every day going out and looking at his garden to seeing how it was growing, and it does. And I I, I don't know exactly how long it takes for uh, uh, a vineyard to grow, but, you know, over the course of weeks, a couple of months, that vineyard grows and begins to produce fruit. And, And let's just be honest, I mean, life is good for Noah. I mean, after all that the flood is over with, God had promised to Noah that that he would never destroy the earth again with a flood, so he doesn't have to worry about that again, he doesn't have to build an ark again, he doesn't have to care for animals on a boat again, I mean, life is pretty good, and on top of that, it's him and his family, right? The world's not populated yet, so nobody's bothering him, and it's a pretty good life. Too good, in fact, because he grows these vineyards and starts to drink from the fruit of the vine. And he drinks a little bit too much. And you know what happens when you drink a little bit too much? He gets drunk. And you know what happens, some of you know this from experience, and I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand if you've had this experience before, but some of you have had this experience, and then listen, you don't, I don't want you to confess to me right now, but you, you know what happens when you get drunk. You start to do dumb things. In fact, you know what the Bible says, and, and again, this is, um, this is not going to be a sermon on, on, on alcohol, and so you just calm down for just a second, right? But, but, but you know what Ephesians chapter 5 says. And Paul says, don't be drunk with wine. And, and, and you know why Paul says that, because you know exactly what wine or, or strong drink or alcohol does, that when you drink in excess and get drunk, you nine times out of ten end up sinning in some way. You do something you regret doing. And so Paul says in Ephesians chapter 5 verse 18, instead of getting drunk with wine— Be filled with the Spirit of God. Don't let alcohol control you because that's going to lead you down a path of destruction. But when you let the Spirit of God control you, oh man, that's going to lead you down a path of life and success and joy. So come on, make the right choice. Don't get drunk with wine. Be filled with the Spirit. Let the Spirit of God intoxicate your life, right? Well, well, here in Genesis chapter 9, that's not the course that Noah chooses. Noah gets drunk. And again, Honestly, thankfully, Moses doesn't give us all the details of what happened next. But next thing you know, Noah's passed out in his tent, drunk and naked. Happy Mother's Day. I mean, you know, I mean, what kind of story is that? But, but there he is. He's in his tent. He's, he's passed out, and he's, he's, he's naked. And, 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 and all of a sudden, now watch this. I want you to get this. All of a sudden, you know what Noah looks like? He looks a lot like Adam. Because we had such hope when Noah came off the boat, we had such hope that that humanity would be better. That this time, someone would get it right. But Noah, now watch this. He ends up just like Adam. In a lot of ways, he's influenced by the enemy. He takes from the fruit of the vine, he takes too much, he drinks, he gets drunk. And just like Adam was naked and ashamed after he fell in sin, here's Noah, naked and ashamed. Noah has three sons. One of those sons, his name is Ham. Now notice twice in the text when Moses gives us Ham's name, he says that Ham is the father of Canaan. Now, we'll get to that in just a moment, but you need to hold that detail. So, so Ham, hey, and again, Moses doesn't give us all the details, but, but, but I'm assuming that he goes looking for his father. And, and I've read a lot on this passage over the last couple of weeks. I've read a lot of different Bible commentaries, a lot of different theologians that, that, that write about this passage, and, 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 and theologians and Bible scholars and commentators, they're all over the place as to what actually happens. But here's what I think probably happened. Ham was looking for his dad. And so Ham goes to Noah's tent and he opens up the tent and he just cannot believe what he sees. Because after all, Noah, he was our second chance. And, and, and over the years, right, while Noah was building the ark, Ham was there helping him. And, and Noah was such an example of faithfulness and such an example of righteousness and such an example of what it meant to walk with God. I mean, Noah was that kind of dad that, that just always seemed to do the right thing. And, and Noah preached about trusting the Lord and walking by faith and staying away from sin and all that kind of stuff. And, and now Ham walks into the tent and, and he sees his dad, passed out, naked, and drunk. Huh. Noah's not as blameless as he thought he was. (laughs) Noah's a sinner too. Who knew? Noah messed up. And I imagine that in that moment that, that, that Ham just, he just can't stand it. He can't take it just to, to see it because he's heard it. He's heard his dad talk about, right? The uh, walking with God. In fact, you know it because we saw it in the text several times over the last few weeks where it says that Noah did all God command him to do. But in this instant, Noah blew it. He blew it. And Ham, I can imagine that, that, that after he sees his dad, he, he runs out and he finds his brother, Shem and Japheth. Guys, come on. You ain't gonna believe this. Dad, he got drunk. He's naked. He's passed out in his tent. You guys, you've got to see this because dad has been preaching to us all of our lives about trusting the Lord and walking by faith and doing the right thing. He ain't done the right thing. You guys, you've got to come see this. Come check out dad. I mean, he's, he's passed out in there. You're gonna get a good laugh out of this. And it's interesting, right? And I think in some ways, now follow me carefully, I think in some ways, in this moment, Ham, in some ways, is like one of his ancestors, Cain. Do you remember Cain? Cain had no regard for the life of his brother. And he killed him. Now, obviously, Ham does not kill his father, Noah. But in this instance, Ham doesn't have a lot of regard for his father's life. He's mocking him. You guys won't believe this. Come see our dad naked and ashamed. And so he takes his brothers, and, and, and his brothers are the opposite of him. Where, where, where Ham looks a lot like his descendant Cain, right? Someone who followed the ways of the serpent. If you think about it, Shem and, and Japheth, they're a lot like God, because in, in the Garden of Eden, now watch, after Ab and Eve sinned, what did God do? Covered Ab and Eve's nakedness. You remember that? Covered their shame. And that's exactly what, what Shem and Japheth do. Uh, they, they go into the tent and, and Moses, he gives us detail here. He wants us to know uh, that, that these two godly brothers, they did everything they could to avoid seeing the shame and nakedness of their father. They walked in the tent backwards, carrying a cloak and covered him up. And then the next morning, Noah wakes up. And some of you, again, I don't want you to raise your hands and tell me, but some of you have been there. Some of you have woken up the next morning after a long night of partying. Some of you have woken up the next morning after a night of intoxication. And just that, that stupor, like, where am I? How'd I get here? And he wakes up. All he's got on is a cloak, He doesn't remember what happened the night before. He doesn't remember, you know, what what led him into the tent. He doesn't remember how he passed out or any of those things. But but again, Moses doesn't give us all the details. But he learned what Ham did. He learned what his son did. That his son had made a mockery of him. And his son had had went and told uh, Shem and Japheth what he had done. And so this is really interesting. You come down and look at what it says, for example, in verse 24. When Noah awoke from his drinking and learned what his youngest son had done to him, he said, Canaan is cursed. He will be the lowest of slaves to his brother. Now, now stop, stop. Do you, look at it again, look, look, look. Canaan is cursed. Wait, wait a minute. Ham's the one who did it. But notice that Noah does not curse Ham. He curses instead his grandson. Why? Let me answer that question for you. I have no idea. I don't know. And when I was reading through different commentators and scholars, nobody knows. There's lots of speculation and theories as to why. It may have been that that maybe Canaan was there with him and Canaan participated too. We just don't know. But here's what I do know. Here's what I do know. That Moses, he he writes this book when? While the, the people of God are in the wilderness wandering. And there's going to come a day, right? There's going to come a day in the future that they would go into the what? The Promised Land, the land of Canaan, where the descendants of Ham and Cain dwelled. And so, this is probably Noah's, or excuse me, Moses' way of saying to the ancient Hebrews, "You're about to go in that land. You can come up against the Canaanites. You know where they came from. They are a godless people." They are pagans. You need to be aware of this. You need to be aware of what happened. But then you come down and look at what else it says. Verse 26 He also said, Blessed be the Lord, the God of Shem. Now, that's interesting. Notice again what, what Noah does not say. He does not say, Blessed be Shem. He said what? Instead, Blessed be the Lord God. Of Shem. Now, now, let me tell you why, because this is interesting. And this, to me, is really good. So if, you, if you're taking a nap, wake back up, come here. Let me tell you what's going on. This is really good. You remember, because we've talked about it numerous times now. Do you remember Genesis chapter 3, verse 15? We, we've mentioned this verse a couple of times, where God made a promise that, that after Adam and Eve fell, that one day there would come someone who would crush the head of of the serpent who would provide deliverance for God's people. Guess who that person is not? It's not Noah. He blew it. Right? God gave humanity a second chance. And Noah and his family, they blew it. Just like you and I, because you can relate to this, because I can relate to this, just like you and I. You know what we do every day? Blow it. But you know who does not blow it? God doesn't blow it. Right? Blessed be the Lord God of Shem. Here, this is real interesting to me. That name Shem, you know what the name Shem means? This is so good. You know what the name Shem means? It means name. That's good, isn't it? You're glad you came to church to learn that. But listen, this is why it's so important. Because the name Shem, Shem, his name, his name, will carry on the name of the Lord. Now, let me explain what I mean by that. You know who would be a a relative, a a descendant of Shem? We're going to read about him in the next couple weeks. A guy by the name of Abraham. Then his son Isaac and Jacob and on down the line until we get to David and the promise is going to be made to David about an eternal throne. And and then we're finally going to get down the line to who, church? You know the answer, King Jesus. Do you see what I'm saying? Here we have it. Humanity has a second chance and they blow it because that's what we do. We're sinful people. We easily give into the influence of the enemy. We easily get snake bitten. But God does not blow it on his promises. God, who made a promise in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, that he would send someone who would crush the head of the serpent, he was not going to renege on that promise. He was going to be faithful to that promise even when everyone else was faithless. And so he, he Noah blesses Shem because he knows that from the lineage of Shem, God is going to fulfill his promise. Humanity blows it, but God doesn't he's faithful. Isn't that good? Now come on, let me show you something else. And then you get down uh, to, we got to go fast. Oh man, we got to go fast. Faster. Here we go. Buckle up. You come down to verse 27. Let God extend Japheth. Let Japheth dwell in the tents of Shem. Let Canaan be Shem's slave. Now we're going to get into it in the next couple of weeks, Genesis chapter 10. And in Genesis chapter 10, we, we have uh, the, the story, well it's really more of a list than a story, but a list of the nations. The, the, the sons of these three sons of Noah. And, and what you're going to see about the descendants of, of Japheth is the descendants of Japheth. Now watch, you, you come on close. I'm, we're getting a little bit deep, but hang with me. The sons of Japheth, you know who they're ultimately going to be? The Gentiles, the Gentile people. Now notice what it says. Let God extend Japheth. Let Japheth dwell in the tents of Shem. Now, now come on, this is getting a little deep, but hang with me. From the lineage of Shem is going to come, come who, church? Jesus. And what's Jesus going to do? Break down the barriers. And when, when Jesus rises from the dead and he commissions his apostles to go forth, where are they going to go? Into all the world with what, church? The gospel. And those Gentile people are going to come into the tents of Shem. Isn't that good? And so right here in Genesis chapter 9, you really have this, this promise that God is not going to renege on his promise. He's going to be faithful, so faithful, in fact, that there is going to come a day that Jesus is going to come, not just for the Jew, not just for the Hebrew, but for all people. Oh, all of a sudden, this story just got real good because you read it at first and it's really weird. It's about an old man getting drunk and naked and passing out. But then you read a little bit deeper, like, wait a minute, what this story really is all about is about how humanity over and over and over again, and this is not just a story, but all of Genesis thus far, humanity over and over again blows it. But God remains faithful to his people over and over and over again. This is good. Church, come on, wake up. That right there should excite you because you know this is your story. You know that this is your story how over and over again you've blown it. You've made mistakes, you've sinned, you've given in to the enemy. You've been tempted by his lies and you've been snake bitten. But you also know your story of God's faithfulness to you and the number of times he's forgiven you and the number of times he's given you second chances. It's your story too. And when you begin, now watch this, watch this. And this is where you need to go for a few minutes and we're gonna go really fast and just hang on with me. When you begin to understand that this is your story, you know what it does? It gives you a desire to want to walk by faith. To, to, to want to stay alert and to not give in to the enemy. And so let me just show you something real quick. Three ways, Three ways. I think, from this story that, that, that we need to stay alert, knowing that there's an enemy and knowing that even at times we're gonna blow it, but also knowing that God is faithful to us. How do we stay alert, right? So that our story doesn't end like Noah's story. Let me, let me give you three ways. Watch this. And one, you can't let your guard down. Now, let's just think for a moment. We're gonna walk through this quickly. We're gonna think about Noah. We're gonna think about Ham. We're going to think about Shem and Japheth. Here's what happened in Noah's old age. He let his guard down, right? And I just want to warn you, one, don't coast on past obedience. What I mean by that is up to this point, right? Up to this point, you read about the faithfulness of Noah and and how he followed the Lord and did all that he commanded. But but you know this because I I bet you for some of us, this, this might be your story. I used to. You ever said that before? I used to. I used to walk faithfully with God. I, I, I used to attend church faithfully. I used to get up every day and read my Bible and pray. I used to be on mission. I used to share the gospel. I used to serve in this ministry. I used to. And there's somewhere along the way you stopped. Why? Because life got good, right? Because, because when life gets good, you get what? You get comfortable. And when you get comfortable, Walking with God just ain't that important anymore. Because when life is good, what happens? You, you don't see your need for God as prevalently as you do when life is hard. I mean, when, when Noah was building the ark, he knew that his life depended on his obedience. But now life is good, right? And so he let his guard down. And while he was obedient in the past, guess what? In the present, he got comfortable, let his guard down, and open himself up to sin. And you and I do that all the time, don't we? We get comfortable because life is good, and yes, we have some past successes, but, but listen, God is not calling us to walk faithfully with him for a season of time. Did you hear me? God is not calling us to walk faithfully with him for five years, 10 years, 15 years. God is calling you to trust and obey him every day of your life for the rest of your life. You see? You cannot for a moment let your guard down because when you begin to let your guard down, you open yourself up for destruction. Now, I I like to talk about this and and there's someone in our church right now who I've been talking to a lot about who's who's getting ready to to take some flying lessons, which makes me really envious because you know this. I've told you about this and, and you give me a moment to brag for a moment. I used to fly. Uh, planes like, that actually go in the sky. And, and I loved it, right? So I actually brought a picture and you've heard me talk about these things. I love to talk about this part of my, my past. Uh, I used to fly that plane right there and I loved it, flying all by myself. I mean, I took off, I landed, all kinds of things. And so, so I remember, I remember very clearly uh, going to my first flying lesson. I got in the plane we took that plane up in the air and had my instructor sitting right beside me in that plane and, 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 and we did steep turns. He taught me what a power off stall was and a power on stall was. We would practice uh, landing, like simulating an engine failure. He would set the engine to idle and I I'd have to learn how to land the plane with no power on the engine. It was it a was fun Remember after that first lesson, now watch this, I just want to brag for just a moment. After that first lesson, after we got back on the ground, we got out of the plane. Now he might have said this because he wanted me to come back and pay him again for another lesson. I have no idea, but he said this to me. He said, you're a natural, (laughs) right? I said, I know, I know, I know. Thank you. And so, so I went back the next week and paid him again because he called me a natural. So I, I say that because so I, I was learning how to fly. And, and, and if you know anything about flying lessons, for, for most um, uh, pilots, for most student pilots, it, it takes about 12 to 15 hours for them to be confident enough in their ability uh, to do a solo flight, to land the plane without an uh, instructor sitting by them. I did my first solo flight after 10 hours. I'm a natural, that's right, I'm a natural, I'm a natural. So so, so. anyway, long story short, long story short, because we're, we're going to run out of time. Long story short is that um, I'd never finished my private pilot's license. We had another child, Hudson, and um, you know, money and time just began to be directed in other places, so I didn't get to finish. Uh, this past week I've been online and asked my wife if I can start again, but that's another story too. So, 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 so anyway, but let's just imagine for a moment, let's just imagine for a moment, that after church, you and I got in the car, and we rode down to the airport here in Charleston. And let's just imagine that, that there at the airport in Charleston, uh, we see a guy land. He, he's flying a brand new Cessna 172. He lands this beautiful plane. It costs him half a million dollars. He gets out. He comes up, and I, I start a conversation with him, and I tell him, I, you know, back in the day, I used to fly planes, and my, my pilot said, my instructor said, I was a natural. And let's just pretend he gives me the keys. Take it up. I'll see you in a little bit. And let's pretend I turn it over to you and say, hey, want to go hop in the plane with me? Would you? You would be an absolute fool to get in a plane with me, right? Because I haven't flown an airplane in about seven years. I haven't done it. I, I can guarantee you, if you got in a plane with me right now, we would crash and go meet Jesus. That's what would happen, right? Just because I used to do it, just because I used to do it, doesn't mean I'm good at it anymore. You see where I'm going with this, church? Because some of us hang on to the past. I used to, I used to, I used to. Well, you're not now. And and because you're not now, you know what you're opening yourself up to? The same thing I would open you up to if I took you up in a plane with me right now. You're opening yourself up to destruction. That moment that you choose to take your eyes off God and to cease trusting and obeying him is the moment you set yourself up for a vicious attack from the enemy. You understand? Let's move. we got to move. So one, you you see it in the text, right? Kind of Noah, don't let your guard down. But let's go on to the next slide if you don't mind. And not only don't let your guard down, but don't enjoy the sins of others. This is Ham, is it not? And this is, I know you don't want to talk about this. None of us want to talk about this. But some of you, now come in close and hear me carefully. Some of you like the sin of others. You do. You enjoy the sins of others. And you know what you do? Some of you will gawk at it. That's what Ham did. He gawked at his dad. Right? <laughs> Look at him. Naked, passed out, drunk. Look at that. Some of you gawk at sin too. In fact, I know you don't want to talk about this, but there's some of you, men and women, who will choose today at some point to go on a computer and spend a couple of hours gawking at pornography. You see what I'm saying? Some of you, you know this too. You'll choose this afternoon to get on Facebook or Twitter and gawk at just the stupidity, if I can say that word, of people arguing over nonsense. And you'll just love it. You'll be reading all those comments. Ha, 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 look at that. Just for, just kind of watching them sin. Or think about this. You'll not only gawk at it, but you'll, you'll mock it, right? Look at him. That's what Ham did. He gawked and then he mocked. Look at Dad. I told you he wasn't as spiritual as he thought he was. Look at dad. He, he's not as righteous as he said. he And some of you will do the same thing. You'll see somebody fall in sin. You'll just make fun of them. <laughs> I told you they were a hypocrite. Or think about this. You'll, you'll gloat, right? <laughs> I'm, glad I'm not like him. I'm glad I'm not a bad father like he is. I'm glad I haven't done what he's done. I'm glad I haven't done what she's done. I'm glad I'm not lazy at work like he is. And you'll gloat. You see what I'm saying? Or you'll You'll gossip. Can you believe that? Can you believe what he did? And, and for some sick and twisted reason, we enjoy it. We enjoy the sins of others, because when we see others fail, right? It makes us feel just a little bit better about ourselves. And can, can I just tell you if that's you, if you enjoy gawking at sin or mocking or gloating or gossiping about it, guess what? You're sinning too. You understand? And some of you, you could never dream about getting drunk and naked and passing out in a tent. That that you'd never do anything like that, but you'll gossip about it. You see what I'm saying? You would never, you 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 would never, right? You would never cheat on your wife or be in an adulterous affair, but you'll watch it on TV. You see what I'm saying? You're just as guilty. Keep your guard up, church. Right? You can't enjoy the sins of others. And let me show you one more thing, we'll be done, we'll be done. Finally, you you can't let your guard down, you can't enjoy the sins of others, but but let me show you this last slide. You can, you can, you can cover the sinner with love. So then you have what? Japheth and Shem. That's what they did. Where, where, Where Ham mocked his father, where Ham gawked at his father, where Ham gossiped about his father, come and see this, you're not gonna believe this. Shem, Japheth, they love the sinner. You've heard this statement, hate the sin, but love the sinner, right? Hate the sin, but love the sinner. What we love to do is we love to criticize. What we love to do is we love to what? Judge. What we love to do is we love to mock. What we love to do is we actually love to, to, to despise the sinner, I can't believe she would live that way. I can't believe he would live that way. And you know what we don't like to do? We we don't like to hate our own sin. You see what I'm saying? And since we don't hate our own sin, we're quick to point out the sins of others, but we're very slow to deal with our own sin. Hate the sin, but love the sinner. Love the sinner so much that you help the sinner. I mean, again, you see this picture here in this passage of grace, the grace that God shows, right? We're going to see the, the lineage of Shem and the promise come to fruition, but the grace that Shem and Japheth show to cover their father's shame and nakedness, to, to help him. And, and listen, I, I know you'd agree with this. I don't have to tell you this. You know that our world is broken. And I bet you there's not one of us in this room right now that would say, you know, United States of America, man, we're going in a fantastic direction right now, Right? I bet we would all say that there are things about our country, about our world that we wish were different. But instead of complaining about all the sin and instead of, 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 of throwing around so much gossip and hatred and division, what would happen if we loved people so much that we help people instead of harming people? if we help people instead of hurting people with our words and actions, what would it look like if we as the, as the church actually did what we were called to do and that's to show a little grace and love and point people to the hope they can have in a relationship with Jesus, right? First Peter 4 verse 8 says, love covers a multitude of sins and aren't you glad that love covered your sins? Because you ain't no different. I know we don't want to admit it, but you were no different than Noah. You are no different than Ham. You are no different than Adam and Eve. You are no different than Cain or any of these other crazy stories we're going to study in Genesis about these people who did really dumb things. You ain't no different. The last time I read the Bible, it told me that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And the last time I read the Bible, it told me that for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. Aren't you glad that you are loved so much by God that he saw your sin, he saw your shame, he saw your nakedness, he saw the things that you have done and that he chose to send his son who would go to a cross and die naked for you, who would be put to shame by people for you. Aren't you glad that on the cross, all of your sins were placed on him and he took your punishment so that you could be given the gift of his righteousness. Aren't you glad that the love of God has covered all of your sins? And this one who died for you on a cross, who took the punishment you deserved, rose from the dead three days later so you can have the guaranteed assurance that if you believe in him, you trust him, that, that, that if you turn from your sins and turn to him, you will have the gift of eternal life. You see? What would happen? How would your life be different? How would the church be different? How would the world be different, my friend? Right? if we just treated people the way that Jesus treated us. You see? Don't let your guard down. Don't let your guard down. There's an enemy who's wanting to attack you. And don't enjoy other sins. Instead, let's be a people who because of the grace we've been shown through Jesus, now desire to be a people who show grace and share grace and, and be a help to people instead of a hurt to people. Let's be a people who major in the grace of God and point people to the one who is the way, the truth, and the life. This morning, as we end our time together, maybe you're in this room, and you've never placed your faith in the one who's come to live for you, to die for you, and rise again for you. This morning, if you've never placed your faith in Jesus, now would be a wonderful time to do so. In the corners of this room are two crosses. There are going to be people at that cross, at these crosses who are there who want to pray with you and help you begin a relationship with Jesus. You can experience grace, the hope, and with, with, with full knowledge that, that after you come to faith in Jesus Christ, you might mess up again. But God's not going to mess up. He's going to keep loving you. He's going to keep nurturing you. He's going to keep growing you into the person that he wants you to be as you walk by faith. You go one of those crosses or come down front. I would love to talk to you about how you can begin a relationship with Jesus this morning. For those of us who are followers of Jesus, come on, let's be honest. There is an enemy who is attacking us and you've given in to his attacks. You've let your guard down. You're engaged in things that you notice are the Lord. You've been gawking over the sins of others. What you haven't been doing is grace, right? Asking God for grace, asking for forgiveness of your sins and extending grace to others. Maybe you're here this morning as a follower of Jesus and, and, and I don't know how God is speaking to you, but he is. And in this moment, this time of invitation, is a time for you to do some business with God. You respond to his voice now as he leads you. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for this morning and for in your word. Thank you, Father, for the truth of your word. For that person in this room who's never given his life or her life to you, I pray that person would come trusting you as Lord. Father, help us. Help us to know your grace and help us to live in light of your grace. Help us, Father, to hate our own sin, to know that you have better for us, to know that you long for your children to walk by faith, trusting you, putting sin to death. Father, as your spirit speaks to us in these final moments, help us to respond to you now in faith and obedience and ask it in Jesus' name, amen. You rise your feet as a time of invitation together. You come now as the spirit of God leads you.